Hello and welcome to the uplevelmind.com podcast. My name is Drasco and I'm your host for this Real Talk segment where each episode I bring on a heart-centered entrepreneur and live on the call coached him through one central question. Are my business problems actually me problems? In that, I help them uncover why despite knowing all of the business strategies and having done all of the business courses, they are unable to get past their current revenue plateau. Each guest leaves with a deeper understanding of what inner narratives and patterns they need to overcome to realize their next revenue milestone. Without further ado, here's today's guest. Today's guest is Adrienne Daly, who has been sober for over nine years from alcohol. She started a business in January of this year to help others do the same. And in her business, her main focus is helping people overcome their battle with alcohol addiction, especially through focusing on the subconscious roots versus just the surface level issues. Uh, so Adrian, thank you very much for being on the show. How are you doing today? I am very well. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome and definitely excited to dive into all of these things with you. So I'd love for you to give us a little bit more context on your story and uh, how your business actually came to be. Sure. So, um, yeah, I sobered up myself just over nine years ago. Um, I worked in social services, but I always felt like um, I felt like I went through that for a reason. Like I, I learned a lot from it and I wanted to bring it forward. Um, and I discovered uh, hypnotherapy a couple of years ago and realized that it was really changing people and how, can, how it can really affect people. I had this idea of hypnosis. Um, you know, I think a lot of us think about the stage hypnotism and all that kind of stuff. And it's just kind of been a little bit pushed to the side, but um, it's so much more than that when we're actually wanting to resolve our problems. It's, it's, it's a solution. Um, so I did some schooling in it and then I just started up the business this January. And my focus is to help others who are struggling with alcohol to let go of the drink. And yeah. Beautiful. So in that case, it's clearly a problem that, you know, either is very extreme and then like we see the consequences of it or there's like this other subsection where like it's such a big spectrum of like, no, this isn't really an issue. Like I'm just like having a few drinks and then everything in between. So I'd, I'd love for you to kind of dive deeper into you know, who is it that you actually help and kind of what, what's your specialty and just, I guess, give a little bit more context on that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it can be anybody from the person who, you know, the binge drinker, we have those who they won't, they won't drink for a long time, but when they do, it's a really big problem. Um, maybe they only have a few drinks a week, or maybe it is a, something in their life daily, um, that they need to let go of, but it, it just all depends on the client and at what point they are seeking help. You know, there's no, um, you know, there's no level, um, like you have to be at this, you know, you have to have this many things go wrong in your life before I can help you. Um, 
It's just whenever someone feels that it has become a problem or they notice that they can't let it go on their own. Um, yeah, and then that's when, that's when I step in. Beautiful. So in that case, because I'm sure there's a lot of people that can relate to that and the struggle with that, what is happening in your business right now? And like, what are the main challenges that you're experiencing? So one of the main things that I've found with um, having this as my niche and wanting to serve this group is a lot of people, well, first, a lot of people see alcohol as a solution. And so it is very difficult for them to see when it is the problem. You know, other things are going wrong in their life, but it's hard to connect that the alcohol is something that's contributing to that because they lean on that to cope and to feel better and, you know, maybe to sleep and socialize and all, all those things. Um, so it's hard, it's can be, it can be hard to recognize when that is um, the outside symptom that is causing further problems in their life. Um, the other thing is educating on um, things that are outside the mainstream solutions of what we, where we direct people when they're having trouble with alcohol. Because right away, when we hear that somebody has an alcohol problem, we'll usually say AA or rehab or you know some type of other therapy. Um, but actually the AA and rehabs have a very low success rate. And we just keep pushing people in that direction. And there, you know, there's still a lot of struggle and there's so much relapse. And I went to AA for a couple of years at the beginning of my recovery. It was wonderful for connecting with other people who are in the same, um, uh, who are going through the same thing but it didn't resolve exactly why I was drinking. You know, it was more resolving the symptom, but we all have the symptom that looks the same, but we all got there in a different way. Um, so I think it's just infiltrating that um, idea of um, there being other more successful ways of long-term sobriety than the mainstream ways that we look at. So that has been very challenging for sure. Got it. So yeah, on the surface, like that explains the challenges of the space that you are in, right? There is the educational and established norms challenge. There is, you know, the other challenges just of like working with the people that you work with and when's the right time, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So what I would then invite you to consider is like more of the nuance of that, but related to you, your business and how you show up to it. So like what specifically are you experiencing? Mm -hmm. Not the other, but what are you experiencing as the challenges in the business? So I, I believe that I do have um, walls up to, success um also being an authority like i i know that i know my stuff and um i am successful in helping people but 
um, I feel that, you know, maybe it was because I was the youngest when I was young and I was, you know, I've, I've always felt um, not as an authority. So when it's kind of like, well, why are people, would people listen to me sometimes, you know, even though I know what I'm talking about, um, it's stepping into that, that role um, and seeing the success. Like I, I have had trouble with receiving myself, um, receiving in many areas of my life for some reason that is very uncomfortable. So I think opening up to that idea of like, I, I, I deserve success just like anybody else does. You know, like, um, but sometimes it is hard to see myself as that. I've always applied for and had jobs that I know were less than I could do. Like in, in the history of my employment, before I started my own business, like I always felt like, wow, like I'm an intelligent person and um, I have an education and I get on with pretty much anybody really well um, that I can pretty much do anything, you know, but I would always apply for jobs that were, you know, very much below that for me. Um, and so now that I am in this leadership role in my own business, I know that those thought patterns still have a tendency to creep in sometimes. Beautiful. So mm -hmm. very well articulated and very self-aware, right? Like this is not your first rodeo in obviously having this level of introspection to dive into this. So I just want to acknowledge you for like how well you can just see exactly what the thing is and like where I ought to look. Mm -hmm. So out of these things that you mentioned, right? So you mentioned I have this issue being an authority. Like I feel like I'm not an authority and it's weird to be in that position. Uh, this generalized trouble with receiving. So just being uncomfortable in always, like receiving goodness mm -hmm. or this pattern of applying for things that are below me in some way, like my skill set is higher than, you know, what it is that I'm allowing myself to experience mm -hmm. out of those three, which one feels the most relevant to you right now? Um, I would probably say the inability to um, see myself as successful because um, I, I feel like that ties in with inability to receive because um, it's just even when I'm charging a higher price for clients where when I'm saying I'm going to, when you work with me, you're going to get sober, you know, there should be, I should be able to charge pretty well for that. But then I think, you know, can I receive that, you know? So, which is, I feel is tied in with the success. I'm not sure there's like, it feels like things are holding hands with each other. <laughs> yeah. hundred percent. I, I would agree <laughs> with you. So mm -hmm. if you could take a step back and mm -hmm. if you're thinking about this part of you that 
not just resists success, but is, is in many ways very fearful, very cautious, very hesitant to go anywhere near success and, and stepping up. Mm-hmm. Where do you feel that in your body? Um, my chest, I feel. Yeah. And what's it feel like in your chest? And like my neck. My neck has, always has a weird sensation. Um, just kind of like there's, um, it's like a, uh, it's almost like there's a cloud sitting in front of it and the same with the neck. Like, it's just like a, a very, it's hard to describe like a hard energy, like just the ball of something is there. Okay. Yeah. And are you open to diving into that and seeing what's behind that piece? Sure. Okay. So what I invite you to do, and you're welcome to close your eyes, keep your eyes open, like whatever is more comfortable for you. Mm -hmm. If you think about that sentiment of the fear of success and, and what that means for you and the discomfort of knowing that you have this inability to see yourself as successful, if you tune into all those sensations in your chest, you say it was a dark energy, mm-hmm. seems like it was over-encompassing, starts to pull at your neck. Mm-hmm. If that sensation, that energy could speak, what might it say? Um, the first thing that like immediately came to my mind was you're not enough. Okay. And whose voice is that? I don't know. I always feel when I hear stupid things like that, it's the ego. But um, I don't know, because I, I feel like I started telling myself that at a, quite a young age. Um, and if you had to guess, what age might that be? Um, I would say four or five is the first thing that comes to mind. Okay. And what was happening around that time? Um. My parents had split, and so we were going back and forth to two different households um, every week, and they were they were very different. Like I felt like I had to kind of be a different kid at each household. Okay. And how does I'm not enough surface from the need to balance that situation? I don't think I knew how to be or what was appropriate. Um, I think that sometimes even at a young age, I might've been playing, like though I don't vividly remember, I just remember having to be a little bit different that I must've been then. If I couldn't be myself, then I must've been playing some sort of version of me. You know, so then that would have made me feel I can't be myself or 
being myself isn't okay. And which part of you being you, so which part of you as a four or five-year-old that wants to express herself, what's the part that was shown the most? What That was what, sorry? That was like pushed away and shunned and, you know, not approved of the most. Um, I would say to speak up or make mistakes as a little kid, like, um, yeah, I would say in general than my voice, probably. Yeah. And the sentiment of like using your voice or speaking up, like when were you told not to speak up? Um, well, the one household was a little bit strict. So I feel that in order just to not get into trouble, it was just safer to, um, to just, you know, um, not make mistakes or just fly under the radar. Okay. okay. And if you did make mistakes, then what happened? Um, well, once in a while, there would like be some yelling and I yelling really scared me as a kid. Um, that really, I was a very, very sensitive little girl and yelling really made me scared. Um, and up until not, not long ago, I mean, I would probably say within a couple years, if I was yelled at by an adult as an adult, that would make me very uncomfortable. Like it would be almost a regression for me. So even as an adult, if you were yelled at by another individual, mm -hmm. it would like snap your back to this to, time. Like I'm bad. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yeah. And were you yelled at in things related to like achievement? When young? Yeah. No, no. It would have been just really silly things. So um, I think that too made it a bit unpredictable for me, which is why it was like, okay, just, um, yeah, just don't speak up and, you know, just be good. Mm -hmm. Because I was actually very encouraged. Like my parents were all teachers um, and, you know, they were very encouraging, you know, to education as number one. Um, and I was never a bad student, you know, here and there later on in life, but um, not when I was a kid. So it wasn't, yeah, ach achievement. I mean, and they supported sports we wanted to do or anything like that. We, we had, we were really supported in that way. And going back to the sentiment of mistakes. Uh -huh. So when that four or five-year-old version of you made mistakes, mm -hmm. were they handled lovingly or were they handled roughly? Um, 
it's funny because I can't remember completely. I remember um, like a few of the really bad yelling times was my siblings getting in trouble. And when I watched that, it just really scared me. Um, and it and there was an incident where I was um, reprimanded. Um, you know, it really scared me. Um, and maybe it was that day. I was just like, I'm not being bad anymore. <laughs> I just this scared me enough. <laughs> so, and just to make sure that I understood that correctly, so it was like I'm done being like disobedient like i'm going to just be obedient from now on because it's too scary when i'm back. yeah like if this, if this could ever happen yeah i don't want this to ever happen you know like that i was um i remember i was just so scared like i i wet my pants and i was like i never want to be this scared again you know yeah that's uh as far as a physiological reaction and, and the reaction overall, like that's a very intense reaction. So I acknowledge you for going there and, and, and tapping into that aspect of self. For sure. And just to kind of zoom out so that you have an idea of, you know, what I was like poking at, right? Because mm -hmm. multiple times you had mentioned speaking up, making mistakes, flying under the radar mm -hmm. like there was a sense of safety that as long as i am outside of the limelight as long as i'm outside of shining and being bright and being seen mm -hmm. that is associated with safety as mm -hmm. long as i'm in no position that somebody is going to yell at me as long as i don't make mistakes then mm -hmm. i am safe so might as well choose jobs that i know are completely beneath me because that I can ensure hundred percent of the time mm -hmm. I'm not going to be yelled at. I'm not going to be reprimanded in any single way. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm seen as an authority, well, authorities in general, they tend to get like resistance, mm -hmm. right? They can't make any mistakes. They have to be in the limelight because they are an authority by the virtue of the fact that other people look to them for mm -hmm something right yeah. what comes up for you as i reflect that back um i think that that is i think that there's a lot of aspects of that that are true um it's almost it's just easier and safe right i think it's always been about safety for me and um, um i think that another aspect on top of that for me is um, I had a, an absolutely wonderful mother, um, but she also was a little bit overprotective. And I think that the inability to want to take real responsibility and grow up, right? Because then this is all on me. And not only do I have to be authority here, but I have to be a grown up and I don't have any protection anymore. And I think that through, I mean, I sobered up from alcohol. I'm 37 now and I was 27. And so I had this sense, you know, into my late 20s of needing protection. 
Like, I don't think I wanted to grow up. Like, I just wanted to be sick and small, but really loud about it. <laughs> yeah, because there's like two dichotomies playing on the inside, right? There's one part that really wants to be expressed and one part that wants to emerge as grown and responsible and engaging with the world. Mm -hmm. And then there is this smaller part rooted in these, you know, childhood traumas mm -hmm. that found safety in playing the absolute smallest game possible. Yes. Right. And as soon yeah. as that emerging part creeps up and now it's really asking to emerge through your business, mm -hmm. that deep seated neurological sentiment and, and pattern and paradigm right away kicks in and be like, no way, like this is not safe. Mm -hmm. It's not safe to charge what I'm worth. It's not safe to step into my own authority. It's not safe to take on the responsibility of success. It's not mm -hmm. safe to be visible. It's not safe to receive the goodness because when you receive the goodness, that's essentially success. That means you're more visible. That means you risk losing a lot more. That mm -hmm. means you're not responsible for it. So it's like everything that kept you safe as a kid is now being asked to let go and evolve into the adult version of you as you see through the business. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So what resonates for you from that reflection? Um, I think just the... Um, like just that deep seated, that paradigm that has clearly, because when I think about it, you know, it in different stages, you know, the high school, uh, you know, college, then 20s, it, it has always been there and it's shown up in different ways. And um, it's definitely easily triggered. It's not something that hides and is very unnoticeable for a long time. It is very out, up front. And I mean, when I started to gain more awareness of myself, doing more, you know, a little bit more spiritual work and all that within the last eight years, I really, like, even if it comes in now, I can almost sit back and just watch it happening, but it happens automatically. You know, like there's just, it's so strong. Um, and absolutely that now it is um, coming in and, you know, really showing up, really keeping me from what I need to do to be successful in this business. And it's quite frustrating because I have a lot of people to help and I'm like, I have gotten to a place where I'm running my own business. I mean, that's a very amazing thing. I'm very proud of myself from, you know, like I've come a long way. And then to have something that was created, you know, as a kid, is, is, it's, quite, it's quite frustrating when, when I see that popping up all, up all over the place. So I think the authority thing now is, is really huge. Yeah. 
It is. And so first and foremost, I want to acknowledge you once again for the openness you have to the exploration. Like there's very little resistance to moving into that space, seeing yourself being reflected back, mm-hmm. um, which is a, which is a very good quality to have. So that's number one. Number two, I understand the frustration, right? Because it's like, as an adult, I logically understand this is silly. Yet here I have these quote unquote child problems that are wrecking havoc on how I feel, which is wrecking havoc on what I can do. And it's kind of holding me back. Mm -hmm. While that is true, what I invite you to do is to first and foremost, step back and allow some grace for yourself and for this part of you, namely because this is the part that kept you safe and allowed you to navigate the tumultuousness you did experience during those times. Mm -hmm. And ultimately it is a part of the story that brought you here. And I get that this is easier said than done. I've certainly done a lot of work on very similar sentiments myself and I I walk clients through it all the time, but Mm -hmm. accepting it first is a big part of being able to change it. Um, And the third part that I want to point out is like, like when you mentioned that um, story of, okay, like I I wet myself because I was so scared of this, Mm -hmm. those kinds of imprints, like they exist in your neurological body. Mm -hmm. They, They are deeply seated in the kind of like the hypervigilant exploring of the world to make sure that that never happens again, right? And in this instance, the, the business triggers it all the time, mm-hmm. which is also why I think despite your self-awareness, it's extremely hard to solve this quote unquote problem kind of top down. So I'm thinking better thoughts. I have a better narrative. I understand the awareness around it. I have like the, the metacognition to like see myself doing all of this. That's certainly a part of it. Mm-hmm. But I would invite you to consider that the real solution to the problem is actually going to be bottom up, meaning how do I over time build up the body that can expand its window of tolerance, that can expand how much it can hold of the goodness that I want to experience in my life without freaking out and being able to create the space to integrate the top down things you're talking about, to integrate the better narratives, integrate the better feelings, integrate the higher part of you, whether you want to look at that spiritually or like your, you know, like neocortex, like the front part of your brain to make the best choices, to expand into your vision, to step into that up-level being that's cumulatively, like in my program, like I call like building your up-level being. Mm -hmm. So it's building not just the narratives and the feelings are going to support the actions are going to get you the results that you want but also the embodiment and really training your nervous system mm-hmm. to be okay with holding, receiving, uh, and experiencing the success that you want, that it's safe to go into those spaces. So again, I know I was kind of talking a lot, what, uh, lands for you with that. Um, I completely understand the imprint thing and how, you know, emotions get stuck in the body. Um, 
I actually did, uh, someone did a hypnotherapy session on me um, and that scene came up and it was interesting because while I was in hypnosis, it was like I was that little kid again. Like I was shaking and like, and so scared. Like I physiologically felt like that little kid again. And I think after that, like I did ha definitely have a release there, but there have been so many imprints, like, you know, like little things along the way that just affirmed a way that I already felt about myself, right? That are still in there somewhere. Um, but yeah, it, um, it makes complete sense to me to be working from, from the bottom up. I mean, it's amazing. Like, I think the depth of whatever we have inside, like it's, it's like we're icebergs, right? Like we see a little tiny bit of us, but there's like this whole world of stuff that we don't, we're just not even consciously aware of most of the time that affect our daily life hundred percent. And the reality is like, you have a few set of memories that kind of point to the things that we're talking about, mm -hmm. but in the moment, especially when you have, cause like that, that neurological body, that part is a very primal part. Mm -hmm. And it is the part like our primal part, our primal self is hardwired to go first. What I mean by that is like it gets first dibs on the reactions that we have mm -hmm. while we interact with the world. Mm -hmm. That's ultimately what caused us to survive. And obviously that part is very much rooted in consistently scanning the relation of you to the world as far as safety is concerned. And that part always hardwired, guaranteed for everybody gets to go first. Mm -hmm. The higher part of ourselves gets not to go first, but it has final say, right? Mm -hmm. That's kind of that top-down approach. However, if everything that you're experiencing is alarm bells and panic, every time you get into situations that look like something to do with the fear of you know success or your business expanding and all the associations we talked about today, mm -hmm. it's really hard to like, you know, send an announcement to like do better when the alarms are going off like crazy. Mm -hmm. Right. So a lot of this process, when we talk about bottom down, yeah, the releasing aspect. So I, I kind of divide that into like the passive and the active element. The passive element is exactly what you described, right? I go into a hypnotherapy session and I go back to a state where I kind of feel the root of this and I somatically release it. And that is super important for really allowing the space for the active elements to occur. And the active elements is like building the new body, right? Like if you think of your old paradigm as like, this was the road that was repeated thousands upon thousands of times. It's been paved, it's been run over, it's been established in my body. Mm -hmm. That road is separate from the road to success. So mm -hmm. even though it still panics when I move into the space of success, my body actually hasn't built the roads. And when I say roads, I mean like neurological connections, neurological roads to experience success in a safe way. So it defaults to what it knows, despite the fact that I know the origin, I've released some of it. Uh, I'm aware of what it is, but doesn't matter. That's the only road that 
is triggered when the environment prompts it. Mm -hmm. So the active part of this is how do I learn to self-regulate, allow myself to experience the success that I'm looking for, actively doing the things that are going to trigger it. Mm -hmm. And it's the combination and the dance of both that ultimately is going to move you to become the up-leveled version of yourself that can hold all of this, that can be happy to do all of this, that can you know, thrive in this challenge, that's kind of the, the interplay of both. So again, what uh, reflects or what comes up for you as I reflect that back? Um, yeah, so when I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about um, like currently in, my, in the business, like when I'm doing things that are really uncomfortable you know, and I heard this saying that what, like, if it's not uncomfortable, then you're not doing it right. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. But what if it's really uncomfortable every single time I do it and it's not getting any better, Yeah. you know, like, um, it's like that pathway. Um, um, like I understand the, uh, yeah, we go back to the familiar and it's, it's safe and we know how to do these things, whether they're conducive to growth or not. Um, we tend to revert back to what's safe, but um, I've been, you know, I've been trying, I've been doing the things for four months that are really uncomfortable, five, um, that are really uncomfortable and it hasn't gotten, it is still like, like, oh, you get used to it, you know, I'm like, I don't know if I will. <laughs> Correct. So, well, first and foremost, again, great observation, as I've mentioned before, mm -hmm. um, and also something that is definitely very common. So usually when I encounter that, again, both myself and with clients, mm. it, it comes down to a few different factors, right? And I'll give you the general bit and then you can obviously comment and it, it's a much more nuanced conversation than like what we can get into today. But in general senses, the intention behind it is quite important. I think it's, it's the primary thing. So Oftentimes when we do and hear these kinds of normal cliche advices, right? Like you got to do things that are uncomfortable in order to grow. As mm -hmm. you said, yeah, that's true. I get it. I understand why. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes though, the intention is like a willful intention. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to push through this because eventually it'll get better. And therefore, um, you know, the more I do this, the better it's going to get. If you're really willful and really like stubborn and determined, yeah, I think that can work over the long haul, but more often than not, it, it does fail because the intention is more about getting the check done. Like I, I did it mm -hmm. more so than it is about the change, the acceptance, the love and the rootedness in change. Like mm -hmm. I'm doing this because I want to live a different kind of life. There's just a different energy that goes into how you actually do whatever the uncomfortable task is, okay? Mm -hmm. The other part is how well-versed are you in self-regulation, right? Can you do the thing you need to do from a state of knowing how to self-regulate your system so that you decrease the volume of the panic, you start to associate it more with like less and less intensity over time. And can you complete those cycles with some level of love or pleasure, right? So that I'm 
decreasing the intensity of it while edging myself to increase my capacity for it and then rooting it in some sort of reward or some sort of pleasure or affirmation or comfort to Mm -hmm. over time build up a new pathway that feels safe and that allows me to move more in that direction and then cumulatively can I hold those activities in a nurturing space that also goes into the pieces that you are very well versed in, right? The awareness, the, the nurturing, the better narrative, and mm-hmm. then do that consistently enough to see the change happen. So again, how does all of that plan for you? Um, so I understand, yeah, like bringing in the, um, like the different energy and the nurturing and the leaving it, like you're, you're leaving whatever the task is like on a high note, you know, you're taking something away from it. Um, something I have been working on lately is forgiveness, right? So like forgiveness, 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 like whatever I'm done or doing what I'm doing, what other people are doing, you know, if I'm doing something really uncomfortable, forgive yourself for being uncomfortable, you know, like it's, this is the way it is. So trying to, transform the energy in that way um, because it is softer and then I'm more compassionate to you know um, I'm not having expectations on myself right on how I should be and how I should be performing it's just more um, yeah so I do understand that like the bringing in the bringing in the other energy. I forget what you said before that. Sorry. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, okay. when I'm going on a roll, okay. I'll just say it, but I, I'm not I, sure which, which part you're referring to, I guess is, is more accurate. Um, what I will comment on there is, is the nuance behind that. So mm-hmm. the forgiveness, 110%, that is a beautiful energy to hold the space for like what you're moving through. Mm-hmm. It, it comes in line with that whole acceptance bit. Like when you accept something, there's less charge to it. There's less judgment to it. So you are able to progress with a little bit less friction. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here's where it gets a little bit tricky. Like everything that we identified today, like it, it's rooted in my fear of success. Like mm-hmm. if we have to put an umbrella in it, it it's all of the sub aspects of succeeding being Mm -hmm. visible, being an authority, stepping into the responsibility, holding more, charging more, receiving worth, like it all kind of comes into that whole umbrella. Mm -hmm. You can completely forgive yourself for the hate or whatever the emotion is, like the judgment, the bad feelings you have surrounding everything I just listed Mm -hmm. and never actually move forward. And what I mean by that is you can be like, I forgive myself, I understand myself, I accept myself, but neurologically speaking, that primal part of you, it it does not understand forgiveness in the way that we cognitively understand it, like we're talking about it now. Mm -hmm. All it understands is there is danger when I take on responsibility. There is danger when I am put in the limelight. You can forgive yourself for that feeling and that'll clear up the space for you to address it. 
Mm-hmm. But it doesn't go to the core of the issue, which is it fundamentally feels unsafe for your system to actually step into the parts of you and the actions that are required of you to mm-hmm. actually build the business in the way that you want. So does that okay. distinction make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I understand that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, cause the inner mind, the, the inner, it doesn't know how old we are and it doesn't know what we believe is good or bad on what is conducive to us in our current environment. Right. what's this softer energy anyways push that aside (laughs) this is the real stuff (laughs) correct yeah and even like that whole like what's good or bad like that that's our higher brain you know judging and rationalizing something that's going on yeah your primal brain your your neurological body Mm. is simply saying this is danger when it's dangerous, we do this. Historically, we've kept alive doing mm-hmm. this. Like I've mm-hmm. been alive going under the radar. Mm-hmm. I've been alive when I took jobs that were below my skill set. Mm-hmm. As far as your that part of yourself, you've successfully stayed alive doing these things. There is a major benefit to you staying the same from that perspective. Higher you doesn't like the consequences of that and knows it's meant for more but that doesn't take away the fact that the part of you that goes first is rooted in a different definition of safety than the higher part of you. Yeah, for sure. So that's kind of the, the distinction that I would add. So I know this is something that like, okay, we can both geek on and kind of like dive into in addition to like, there's only so much we can do in the diving in of what's present for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just want to know from your perspective, like, does this feel complete for you or is there still something left outstanding? Um, no, I don't feel anything um, left outstanding. I mean, one thing about getting sober is like when you really have to look at yourself. So I have like intensely become aware of a lot of my things <laughs> and it is, it is a benefit, but also sometimes a detriment because then you really recognize, you know, you're, it's like the two minds are completely separate and you're like, I, I see what I want, but this is driving it and the the frustration that can happen when you can't um when you can't when when that programming is so solid you know yep um, uh, I, I understand your pain <laughs> yeah well. I get it um and what I would add to it is like as frustrating as it is it's not impossible to change right like I mean just like you've experienced with one very hard to change, you know, program and, and, and paradigm and habit. Um, mm-hmm. It's also not impossible to change this one. So that, that is the good news. Absolutely. Yep. I agree. Beautiful. So in that case, uh, what I'd love for you to do is just summarize your experience and, you know, what were your takeaways? What were your highlights uh, from coming in here and kind of getting to the end of this process um, just in your own words? So, um, I think that for me, it has, again, been a good, um, really good to highlight, um, like a further understanding of um, 
really what, because I knew the success, seeing myself successful and the authority was a problem. But having um, the looking glass more on uh, why that is. And um, like, because when I hear you talk about it and when I'm, when I'm talking about it, I can be completely immersed in it, right? In this, the story. But when I hear you say it, I'm like, man, like that lower mind and the higher mind, like it's like, this is doable to overcome. You know, I am bigger. I, there is a part of me that is a lot bigger than this paradigm that is driving these, um, like the, the lack of success in the business. You know, many people have done it before, but when I, when I hear somebody else kind of feedback to me what's going on, um, I found that very helpful because it's, it's a different perspective and um, it's like a further stepping back from it and seeing like, okay, that's what's, you know, I'm, I'm bigger than that. Yeah. 100%. And I'm happy to see and hear that that's what's coming out for you. Cause yeah, I, I could not agree more. So thank mm -hmm. you for that uh, summary. And then if you can just close us off, let everybody know what's the best place to find you. Who's the best person to find you the floor is yours for that. Sure. So if you are looking to let go of a drinking problem, or you know, somebody who is um, I do have a website. It is at www.mindalignedhypnosis.com. Um, and the method that I use is very unique. It's not your regular style of hypnosis. It's just hypnosis to the point where we're working with the subconscious mind because that's where the problem is. Um, I'm also on Facebook. So if, I think I'm the only Adrian Daly on Facebook and Instagram as well um yeah beautiful well we'll include all that in the show notes as always Wonderful. um so thank you very much for coming on and then for everybody listening you can hear my wrap up after this episode otherwise we'll see you on the next one all right so what you just heard was um you know my coaching call with adrian and there's a few things that i wanted to follow up with um, based on the conversation. So this conversation, I think, really exemplifies what Up Level Mind is all about and what my coaching is about and really what up-leveling to the next level is truly all about. And here's what I mean. So the whole aspect of, you know, the awareness piece. So Adrian is somebody that had a whole lot of awareness. She understood everything that I was saying. She didn't really need any support on seeing where the pieces fit. It was like, I'm aware of all of the things that are wrong. I know more than I can show, and I can't seem to put it together. This is probably the most common issue that comes up, or if it's not the issue right away, it comes up at some point uh, guaranteed, right? This is kind of like the welcome to being human uh, aspect of up-leveling. So what is it really about and, and why is it so hard? So 
what I was getting at towards the end of the episode, I was talking to her about building essentially like the neurological body, like building the, the up-leveled being, as I call it, in my coaching. What that really is about is working at the level of the actions that are deemed to be safe. So often we hear all of these sentiments about, okay, like your thoughts create your reality and what you believe is what you can achieve. And all of that fundamentally is true because the, the faculties that we use to actually determine what it is that we want, the faculties that we use to have this grand vision, they work top down, right? They work from our higher self. So you can use that as the combination of our spiritual self and our like neocortex, like our, our main top thinking human brain. That's the part that gets us to visualize. That's the parts that gets us to think about things. That's the part that really sees the grander vision. So the vision itself and our desires, et cetera, they work top down. And obviously there's a lot of stuff that gets in the way of that. I mean, you've heard me mentioned multiple times about thought hygiene on the podcast. So that's obviously a a big part of it. But the reality is whatever we manifest for the most part is created so that we can like touch it, see it, feel it, do something with it, right? It, It is the physical manifestation of the thing that we want that we refer to as manifestation. So that piece is built on the level of the body, right? It's not the vision itself that makes the thing occur. It is the vision that propels the body to experience whatever it is that we need to experience to make the thing happen. Even in seemingly like miraculous things, like when we talk about manifestation and we get into like, oh, and then somebody, uh, you know, I got an inheritance that I didn't know about. It is through your body that you still receive that. Like you could have that exact same scenario show up at your door. And if you just stood still, you would never receive it. You would never take the check to the bank. You would never sign where you needed to sign. You never do the due diligence. You never ask the questions like it is through your body that you actually get to make the changes that you are looking to make. The body moves and operates through your neurological body, right? Like you have the kind of emotional body, you have the thinking body, and then you have the neurological body. Without the neurological body, you cannot move. You cannot do things. And so often, even though our fears are irrational, they are happening at the level of our higher brain. And they're happening at the level where we realize, hey, I actually uh, understand this. It's silly. So therefore, uh, I should do it. But if we are locked and not able to move because the aspect of us that actually gets us to move forward is completely in lockdown mode, is so trained and ingrained to move towards the false safety of something that worked for them as a child, right? And this is what we went into in adrian's bit right it was somewhat surface level in the sense that we didn't get the details and that's totally fine because the details aren't necessary to really drive the point home but it's like 
hey, here we are, this four or five-year-old version of me that is very sensitive, that's learning what is appropriate, what's not appropriate, how scary it is to be yelled at, the association that, well, mistakes is what um, I get yelled at for, that standing out and being in the limelight can lead to more of that. That's scary. That That's something that I do not want. Four or five years old, you don't have the higher brain capacities to really interpret this in the way that you're interpreting. It's, it's much more free flowing. Like you, you, you take things in as like without a filter. So whatever the environment is, that's how the world is. There, there's not a lot of forethought um, and like metacognition. So like thinking about this in a broader sense, like you do as an adult. So that becomes the truth. That becomes the truth that is ingrained in a body part of you that doesn't speak in words really doesn't even speak in emotions right like that 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 fear you feel of like the neurology it doesn't actually even speak in emotions right like if you ever have like that anxious feeling without like a clear thought like something is wrong like you get the sense that something is wrong but it's not even like a feeling of anxiousness like a and a feeling i define as like a vibration you feel in your body this is like my nerves are in panic mode and i just want to shut down so this is definitely if you're somebody like me who goes into like hypo arousal like i like move away from the thing so if that is what's happening every time you try and do the activities that need to grow your business that are associated with success because this part of you recognizes that pattern is like, I'm going to have to stand up. I'm going to have to be out there. I'm going to have to do all of these things that no amount of like mindset work is actually going to help that no amount of awareness is going to help it directly. Meaning like, yeah, it's good to be aware of like what's going on, but the reality is you have to be aware of what it is that is going on, but the way you change it is you change it with, um, working on the nervous system. And a big part of this is, like I said, at the end of the episode, you're edging. So like you're expanding the capacity through which you can hold this, uh, this feeling and not run away from it. You're nurturing it so that you feel safe with it. Um, and then you're rooting it into something pleasurable and you reinforce this over time uh, with consistency. So that's kind of like the broad strokes bit. I'll probably do an episode on this um a little bit uh later on but i just wanted to highlight that uh, because it's such a big thing that comes up so thank you very much for listening and uh we'll see you on the next one